We'll coach 48 to nothing, the game that went as planned. And I think a lot of people have heard you say that. And as we prepare for Friday, you, you look at the plan, and the plan was to play as many quarterbacks as you got in the room. Mm-hmm. And one in particular, and it's not the three that we were expecting to see, it's the one that we didn't expect to see because I know he is uh, somebody that has a special past and has sacrificed a lot in Santiago Noyola to, to be a part of that quarterback room. Is he the embodiment of what you want that quarterback room to be? Absolutely. Uh, Santiago is one of the most unselfish young men. When he graduates from high school, wants to stay in the football industry. He's, he's as smart as any kid at Westlake High School. He's going to have great grades. He, he wants to go to the University of Texas. And, you know, hopefully that we can help him, you know, stay in the industry in some form or fashion. He's uh, just a joy to be around. Anytime that we get a chance to get him in the ball game, he deserves it. And we did. And that was a, a real highlight of the night personally for me. I've, I've known him since he was in seventh grade uh, when he lived in Monterey, Mexico, and he would come to the United States for my quarterback wide receiver camp. And then ultimately him and his family moved here to Westlake. And there's a whole lot of kids on our team that are very special to me personally, but he's definitely one of them. You look at guys that already have that intelligence and at Westlake, you're dealing with a lot of guys who know how to think and, and then just react. In a lot of ways, Santiago's represents guys that have played for you in the past. And as you mentioned, Brandon Murdoch is a former player of yours. Is it mm-hmm. something that you see, you can see that early, just a, an understanding of the nuances of the game and how it fits all together? Is that something you can identify when they're a player? Yeah, and, and it's one of the things that we'd always talk about, about how can you, as a position coach, as a coordinator, as a play caller, how can you make things slow down for your players and the quicker that you can do that and the quicker you can assemble 11 guys to put on the field at one time that can go fly around and not think so much and play really really fast that's going to be a feather in our cap as far as a program because they're going to play that much better that much earlier and one of the things we were able to do the other night we had a lot of young guys that were playing their first game and there were some instances where you know they had the yips a little bit but for the most part they just went out and turned loose and played and and our our older guys definitely showed the way when you talk about the guys that you wanted to play like they are returning varsity players to allow the youth movement to kind of come in and develop at a quicker pace, you know, and I look at the most productive players, you know, co-defensive, most productive players, Leo Lowen, Sage Luther, most productive offensive player, Ryan Lindley, a newcomer, but a guy that helped you out a lot on the JV and mm-hmm. on the scout team during the playoff run, most productive offensive line, Connor Halverson, all those guys played to their potential in game one. What did that do for the rest of the roster? Who were the guys that played well that you may or may not have expected to play well? Manolo Bustamante, his first game at starter uh, at center. He did a fine job. Aiden Kennard, uh, his first start, uh, had a nice game, graded well. Luke Nicholas, it was not his first start, but I can really see the light coming on for him. He's a very aggressive football player. I love the way he plays. Defensively, our two inside linebackers, neither one of them have started a varsity game, uh, and Will McConnell and Braden Duncan, and they both played well. And that's all you can ask for. It helps that Sage Luther, Leo Lowen, Bobby Duncan, those three guys right there, played a ton of football for us. Mason Mangum, Ryan Lindley, Connor Halverson, played a ton of football for us. And around here, it, it's really nice that you can challenge a group of guys and they'll answer the bell. Because I just don't know how you can get off to, to good starts in a season if your best players don't play the best that they can play, because that's ones you shouldn't have to worry about. A lot of people are calling it Ryan Lindley's revenge season, but after talking with him in our Shab of the Week interview last week, I heard that it wasn't necessarily revenge. It's excitement. It's looking forward to being able to step back on a football field competitively. But to hear him talk about the buy-in that he had last year, playing on Thursday nights, 
imitating Garrett Wilson, you know, in preparation for Lake Travis. And, and one of the questions I asked him was, who did you tick off the most? You know, which defensive back or which safety during practice? Because he raised his competitiveness in practice. The fact that the guys have a example of what unselfishness looks like because he was not allowed to play. Is that something that, that the rest of the roster is seeing after his performance on Friday night? He is a very, very special football player and a very special young man. We've got a lot of them around here that are that are top-notch, but he's one of them. I mean, you just think about a 16-year-old guy. When that happened to him, like he was 16 years old, and he had started as a 15-year-old sophomore on a 6A team in the state of Texas. All of a sudden, someone was going to tell him, by no deal of his own, somebody's going to tell him you can't play your junior year. What the norm would be in today's society is that that child and that parent would go, okay, we'll see. We're going to the first private school we can find, so we can get ours now, not him. He stayed right here. He gave everything he could to the Shaps last year. You know, the one thing that, that happened the other night is Mason Mangum got the respect that he deserved from, from Belton. One of the big adjustments they made was to double Mason almost all night long. There's where the spread the wealth comes in, 13 catches by Lindley. You know, the very same thing may happen this week. So they may, they may double Lindley, and the ball's got to be spit out in different directions. That's what uh, was such a nice thing about our first night. I promise you we are tapping the brakes on this first game. And we did well and we're proud, but this team we're fixing to play is very good. This is a playoff game atmosphere in week two of the season. This is at the level of a semi-final or a quarter-final. This is every bit the electricity that you want, and it's really a time to test your ball club and the way they bounce back. After being so dominant, how do they answer? How do they practice? How do they prepare? Mm -hmm. What's it like this week as they gear up for mm -hmm. that atmosphere? I mean, this is as big a game when we played Katie in 2016 to start the season right here you know, in, in Austin at Chaparral Stadium. It's probably the biggest crowd that's ever been in this place. That's the kind of atmosphere. I don't know how many people are going to be at that game. I hope we travel well. The caliber of competition between these two teams, uh, neither one of them is very good yet. You know, when the, on the big picture of things, on how good they're go both gonna, they're going to be, but we're going to create problems for each other. We look at the defense first. Obviously, that's the number one majority of your time is spent looking at Cy Ranch's defense. They've got a number of returning starters, guys that played a lot last year, similar to your ball club. First thing that caught my eye is just the domination they had of Cinco Ranch. So they beat them 44-3, and Cinco Ranch's playoff team every year. I just I haven't seen you know Cinco Ranch ever get manhandled like that. Uh, the back end, uh, number 18, is back. Uh, he was a sophomore last year, big physical safety. Uh, all of them are juniors in the back end. And then probably the most impressive group that they have is is the uh, is the defensive line. And 94 uh, is a really good player. The nose guard is a, a guy that's probably about 5'11", about 240 pounds, uh, plays with great leverage, uh, very impressive. They have the makings of, of uh, it looks like, a team that can can go deep in the playoffs again. I'll ask you as a head coach, does the change in staff make a difference? Uh, because, again, the staff's brand new. you got a guy that's coming in mm -hmm. off of a successful program. You know, I know you know Coach McAuliffe pretty well, and the idea that he would make a move from a powerhouse at Judson to a powerhouse at Cy Ranch is, is unique uh, after having the success that he's had at Judson. But it just tells you that coaches are always looking for that challenge. Are you surprised by that move? Uh, it doesn't surprise me that he left Judson. I mean, I, I knew that that, that probably was going to happen. I mean, he got a really good job. I mean, Cy Ranch is a good job. Uh, I don't know when they're going to open up the next high school that's going to take from them, but right now it's a pretty good job. He, he inherited some good players. The one thing I'll say about Sean that I know about him, his teams always get to, off to hot starts at the beginning of seasons. You know, they always play real well early, and it looks like he's got that this bunch. You know, they, they haven't 
known each other as long as you know as a lot of people in the state because he got that job pretty late I mean, he got that job probably in in april or may in some situations i wouldn't say that they just man for man are as talented as judson was you know over the last couple of years but at the skill positions they rival you know what judson has had and i think everybody around here knows you know the type of athletes that they've had over the last three or four years and we mentioned those athletes with elias pino coming back the 5'8 170 pound senior wide receiver but a man that uh, kind of threw the dagger in the hearts everybody talks about those rushing touchdowns but it was late receptions by drake dabney that they really set up those two scoring drives the key to tony salazar's effort this week and coaching up the kids to be mindful that you can't just let a tight end like that run down the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. What's the change in preparation from last year to this year? Well, the biggest change, and I told our players, I said, you know, when we win games, we all look and say, okay, uh, I did that well, I did that well, I made that mistake, but I gained confidence, let's do that again. You know, I tell them, I said, when we lose games, I'm the same way as y'all. I said, I reflect, and I reflect all year long. It always seems like those tough, tough losses always stick with you a lot longer than the great wins. And, you know, I told them today, I said, uh, you know, I don't think I did the best job that I could have done in preparing y'all for that game and preparing y'all for for introducing you to exactly who Cy Ranch is, who they could be. I mean, I think our kids last year went into I think there was respect there, but they just didn't know. They've never played against a team from Houston, and, and they just didn't know. And I think in the, in the big picture of things, we let our guard down. That's something that we vow not to let happen again. Final thought, Coach. When it comes to captains, I know leadership has become a big part of how this team operates year to year. It always reflects on on how leadership evolves over the course of a year. But I'm interested in how it evolves over the course of a game. After you're so dominant, everybody plays well. The whole roster gets a chance to play. How did the captains respond to that win? And how have the captains led in this week of practice, preparing and knowing what's coming from Cy Ranch? I think the great thing about our captains right now is they know their role within the leadership of this team. Sage Luther is going to be a guy. He's going to lead because he started three seasons for us. Uh, uh, he's going to be a leader for us because everybody can always count on him to play solid. And then Leo Lowen's going to be the same, but he's not a hugely outspoken guy. But when he says something, it's got a lot of substance to it. When he talks, people listen. Connor Halverson has just got to take care of that offensive line unit. Uh, he is the most experienced. He, I, I can see him growing in his leadership. Mason is going to be a leader by being a playmaker. I would venture to say across the nation, if you take all the, the three- and four-star wide receivers that are committed to Division One programs, I'd love to see one someone who blocked better than Mason Mangum did last week. I'm not talking about catching the ball scoring touchdowns. I'm talking about blocking and giving effort and being unselfish to his team. That's the way he's leading right now. McConnell, you know, he's a first-year starter. He's respected by his team, obviously, because they voted him captain. I think it's his work ethic. The ringleader of them all is not playing right now, and that's Jackson Coker. I mean, he is, if there is a vocal leader, heart and soul of our football team, that's who it is, is Jackson Coker, and he's the one that is always on point. You know, it just breaks my heart right now that he's not with us, but it is what it is, and he will be back. You know, right now, if a practice starts to go bad, I don't have to say anything. He's all over it, and so that's a, that's a great thing. Coach, as always, thanks for the time. Good luck. Thanks so much.